Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we got Pablo Chinchilla with Blue Marlin Investment Properties. He flew in from DeKalb, Texas to share how he went from no money and limited English as an immigrant 15 years ago to owning 175 doors. I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. We also prepared a document a six-page PDF that kind of shares with you how to figure out your finances. So that way, if you do become a millionaire, we can reward it on this show. The show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to over 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please tag a friend below, share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And this is a live show. So please ask your questions for Pablo to answer. You ready? I'm ready, brother. I'm All ready. right. Perfect. So the first question is, what was your life like right before you got into real estate? Man, um, I had a small business uh, with another partner. Mm-hmm. We were on a cell phone repair business. Cell phone uh, repair business. Cell phone repair. Like, iPhones. Like one of those iPhone, like, cracked. When deals. the first iPhone, uh, it, we started fixing when it was iPhone 4. So okay. we started watching YouTube videos. And we have like a little repair shop in Mount Pleasant, Texas. And also we were selling and installing DirecTV and Dish. Okay. So that's what I was doing until one day I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and everything <laughs> changes for me. That changes for everybody. It's crazy, so, man. But you were already an entrepreneur before you read the book. Yes, I was already a business owner. Yes, sir. Yeah, so normally when people read the book, it's like they were a W-2. Yes, sir. Light bulb goes off and I can't do the W-2 thing anymore. Mm-hmm. You're already self-employed. Mm-hmm. So what was it about that book then that reached out to you? Well, I think the main thing for me was when I read that book, it took me back to 2002 when I was living in Costa Rica. I had the opportunity to go to come to the United States for seven months on like a work visa where you can kind of learn the language. So I got to stay with an American family in Manasquan, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And they kind of helped me line up some jobs. But the guy that was living in the house, uh, he was a retired fireman, and he was kind of flipping houses on the side. Oh, really? Okay. So, and, you know, but, but at that point, I knew I, I was going back to Costa Rica. You really can't do that in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. So, but he would say, Pablo, get into real estate. It's better money. You know, I'm a fireman. My wife is a secretary, and we live better than the neighbors. Real estate is good. Flip houses. And he just kind of put that on my mind. Mm-hmm. I came back to the States, really... Didn't know how to start it, so I started, you know, my other business. And when I read the book, Rich Dad or That, it kind of became real. It's almost like I felt that I was in that story mm-hmm. on 2002. And I was a man. Oh, that was I, the, that he was the rich dad. Yes, I was a man. I can do this. It's really not that hard yeah. if you really know where to start, you know. Got it. Why were you in the cell phone repair business and the satellite business? Because I... My first job in the United States, basically, when I, when I came, we got married. Me and my wife, we got married. I'm blessed. I have a beautiful wife and three, three little girls, right? Yeah. So uh, when we got married in 2007, you know, I, I had to wait for my driver's license. Uh, I have to wait so I can work and provide. So the first official job that I was able to get was as a training uh, technician to install Dish and DirecTV. Mm-hmm. 
So I worked for a company as an in-house technician for five years. Well, five years later, I saw that the salespeople were making more money than the techs. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man, I know how to install. I guess I learned how can, you know, I need to learn how to sell it. Yeah. So I applied for my DirecTV and Dish license. So I started my own little shop, but the sales were not a, as often. So I partnered with this guy and I said, man, we need to find a way to make more money. Mm -hmm. And he said, man, well, there's a guy fixing cell phones in Texarkana and he's doing pretty good. And I was like, well, I guess we need to learn how to do that. Yeah. So we basically, we use our, you know, family members, iPhones, and we start watching YouTube videos and start taking them apart and learn how to replace the screens. And before, you know, after a lot of training and making a lot of mistakes, mm -hmm. we were fixing computers, you know, iPads, iPhones, and all that kind of stuff. So we were doing good, you know, fixing cell phones and installing DirecTV and Dish. But the problem was it wasn't a business, it was a job. Got it. When, you when you're fixing a device that is worth $1,000, it's hard to train someone that can make a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. So me and my buddy were basically taking turns in the shop and fixing, and then sure. one would be outside installing DirecTV. So it was okay, but it was a job. When did you read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad? That was five years ago. Was it? Five years ago. Five years ago. Yes. Got it. Okay. So five years ago, you decided to get into real estate. Yeah. So this summer is going to be, yeah, right, right in that time, six, five years ago, I read the book. I'm working on my on the cell phone repair shop. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not having intentions to change anything. And this real estate broker comes in, mm -hmm. very known in the, in, in the town, one of the biggest brokers. And he said, man, I need you to fix this iPhone. Didn't think any of that. Gave me his business card. And I'm reading the book. So you know how it is. You finish the book, you're on fire. You know, you, I need to buy something, right? Yeah. So I asked him, Michael, do you have anything for sale? I want to flip a house or I want to do something, but I want to get into real estate. He said, I don't have any houses, but I have an eight-unit apartment complex mm -hmm. that I would let it go for like $20,000 a door, like $160,000. Wow. And I was like, okay. And I keep kind of watching videos, and I see that everybody, when you get in real estate, you probably start with one house mm -hmm. or one deal. I'm about to jump on an eight-apartment complex right. by myself, so I don't have all the money. So I tell my buddy, man, I'll sell you my half so I can pay for this deal. Mm -hmm. So what I got from, from him was just not enough. So I didn't tell my wife. I got some money from my credit card to be able to do that down payment. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and overnight I became a landlord, a maintenance, maintenance guy, electrician, plumber, everything, because I, I took over this eight-unit apartment that it needed a lot of work. Sure. But there was a lot of potential on raising the rents. I knew that it could be make it really pretty and it just so kind of you didn't do the traditional marketing and no. not doing all those other things. You just asked a guy that was in your store. Do I you want to buy something. Yes, sir. It works. It that works. Definitely a way that works. Okay. So, uh, so you bought it, credit card, getting cashed out. So you're at this point, you're all in both feet. You don't have a satellite installation or I'm still repair. doing like a little cash jobs on the side because I got to do maintenance. So I was still getting enough sales to get some money going mm -hmm. because on every you sold your companies. My, my cell phone is gone, mm -hmm. but I still can do uh, satellite repair. I'm satellite installation Got because it. the license in the beginning was mine. So my friend, you know, was okay with that. So I still get a little jobs. Mm -hmm. So, and then I told my wife, I want to be full on real estate. So I 
put in my mind that I was going to get my license to be a realtor in Texas in 90 days. Yeah. So I studied day to night, and it was very hard for me because the terminology in English is really hard. Mm-hmm. And I will ask my wife to help me because a lot of times I had to do translation because I'm learning all these terms about legal terms about Texas and houses and title and all this stuff. And, and it's just, it was just very hard. But I was able to get my license in 90 days. So I started hustling, selling houses. And I was a realtor for about a year. So you did the realtor thing? Yes, for about so a year. So we talked about how you came into the country 15 years ago with yes, a little bit of English. So how did you get better at English? Practice. I mean, my wife is from here. So obviously that helps. All, sure. All you know, her family from here. So when I first came in, obviously my English was broken. Uh, you know, after five years, it kind of got better and better um, in, in just watching videos. Uh, you learn a lot of English when you watch movies and you put subtitles mm-hmm. and just start picking up the slang, you know, how Americans talk. And, and it, was a, it was a learning uh, process for me. But you came here with no money. I came here with no money, yes, sir. Got it. So this is you came here broke, met your wife later, which is she had no money either. You know, I thought <laughs> I, was, I thought I was gonna marry. You know that in Costa Rica, that you're gonna marry an American and they all have money. Well, mm. she didn't have any money either. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, you do your thing for ten years, get into real estate, did the realty thing for a year. Mm-hmm. So why did you become a realtor? Because I thought that that was the way for me to make extra money. Mm-hmm. So that's when, at that point, you know, this is when I first started, uh, like a year later, year and a half later, that's when I started podcast. It was you, and it was uh, Bigger Pockets, and start reading more books. So I'm doing the realtor thing. I'm not very, you know, I'm getting listings. You know how it is, uh, um, friends and family. Sure. I'm selling a little bit of here and there. So I started learning about creative financing. So there's, uh, uh, there's eight doors in DCAP, and I reach out to the guy, and I told him I have a little bit of money, not enough for 20%. So he financed like eight doors for 10% down. Mm-hmm. So I took over that. I raised the rents. I'm still doing the maintenance. So, and then right, I mean, it was like, I'm closing. And I met a guy on a title company. And he had a mobile home park, mm-hmm. 14 units. And I'm like, man, I'm going to go from zero doors to like 50 in like six months, right? It's crazy right. in the first year. And... uh at that point, I know about private money. I know about, so I start looking for um, just more deals. And on this mobile home park, that's how I met my partner. Because I built, we have about 180, dollars, 180 doors right now. Mm-hmm. 100 are mine. 80 doors are with my partners, Austin sure. and Greg, which is, they're amazing. So when I first came on the mobile home park, uh, I met Greg, and he was going to be, my just hard money lender. And he said, yes, mm-hmm. I'm going to lend you the money, you know, X amount of money percent uh, interest. And we did that deal together. And then we did another transaction when I was flipping a house and he was my hard money lender. And then he's like, I kind of like this real estate deal, you know, yeah. why don't we just partner? That's how the name, when we started doing the paperwork, Blue Marlin came in because we decided to start an LLC mm-hmm. and slowly start more deal doing more deals together. At that point, it's just me and Greg. And about two years and two years and a half ago, Austin came in, one of his, is his son, Austin. And we just joined forces and man, it took over. Gotcha. I do want to say this. Um, 
there's a lot of always bad things about partnerships, but I think partnerships are so good. You just got to find the right people. Right, and, just the right person. And then you got to date him for a little bit. And I feel that's kind of how me and Greg started. He's, he was my hard money guy. We did deals together, but I kind of kept in on touch of how I was doing it. But we get to really know each other, his values as a person, his family. I get to meet Austin. Austin is very successful work, working on the corporate work. Yeah. I didn't know we were going to work together one day. And months later, we started working together. Date before you get married. Um, so, you know, you talk about becoming a realtor. And so, like, I have felt foolish all these years. Felt dumb. Because you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yes. And you learn you got to buy assets. And then I got distracted and became a realtor. So thank you for like <laughs> being another person that, that went down this rabbit hole as well. Got distracted. I, I, I don't 100%. feel alone. Um, you said you were a realtor for a year and a year and a half, but you stopped. Yes. Why did you stop? Hated it. <laughs> what did you hate about it? You, I mean, I respect realtors. I have great relationships with realtors, but I don't have the heart. The passion to drive Susan on a Saturday looking for houses. Mm. And that deal might go south because something happens to the light outside. Or you know, you know how it is, you know. <laughs> I hated it, man. I just never I did it because I thought that was my way to make money. That was your hustle. That was not your, your passion. Exactly. I yeah. hated it. I I can I will never I can never be a realtor. Hated it. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Uh so you did your first deal from just talking. Yes, sir. To customers. The second deal, how did you come into the second deal? So the second deal was owner financing. Right. Um, how did you find them? Well, it's crazy because I was uh, the guy, at that point, you know, I got my eight doors. After that, so I worked on the eight doors for about four months. And then I went to my lender and I refi. Mm -hmm. Because I had, you know, I took some money from my credit cards. I don't, I don't want to do this. I knew there was money in the deal because you can tell it's a really nice eight apartments, all break. They would just like run down. The guy was just not taking care of it. You yeah, know? deferred maintenance. A little bit of pain, you know, picking good renters. So, man, I took it to my lender, you know, like right, you know, right after that and refi. And the same guy that I got the first loan when I bought it for 160 with a 20%, he just said, okay, let's send the appraisal. I mean, he said, I don't know if it's going to work out, Pablo. Sometimes when you refi, you go to a different lender, right? But the same guy said, man, I always thought it was kind of cheap. So let's see what you did after you fix him. Man, and the price was like 300000 Nice. So A lot I of sweat equity. Yes. I refi, I got some money out because I want to buy more property. So I came out with this guy, and uh, I just started looking. So I knew who owned the apartments. Mm -hmm. I knew he was kind of older, and I just gave it a shot. He had like a little restaurant in Decap. It was a barbecue restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I said, man, you own the apartments down the road? He said, yes. He said, man, would you like to sell them? And he was like, well, I've been thinking about it because I'm getting too old. And that kind of led a conversation for about three months, the whole thing about owner financing and stuff. So, How did you identify that property? It's, it's, in, it's in the town where I live, yeah. Okay, but like you just drove by it? And... Well, it's close to my house. So I, I knew, you know, I got Dangerfield Apartments. It's about 35 minutes from my house. Sure. So like, okay, I'm a multifamily. I just refi. I want to do more deals, right? Mm -hmm. So my first thing is like the apartments in town where I live. I need to find out who owns it, and I need to see if I can buy them. And then you went to his restaurant. I went directly to his restaurant. You didn't cold call him. No, no. You just went straight to. You gotta do it face to face. 
I am with you on this. I, I love the, the direction this is going. It's just entirely unconventional, right? Thank you. That's why I'm asking these questions because it's different. Uh, we had another guy on the show uh, over a year ago, Mike Fitzgerald. And this guy does like the craziest deals and has all the craziest things going on. He's hanging out with NFL athletes. He's hanging out with Egyptian princes and mm. all these other things. He's just a regular guy. And we're mm-hmm. like, how do you do this? He's like, I just talk to people. Like, yes. All day, every day, every person he talks to, I'm in real estate. Here's what I do. And it just opens all these crazy doors, right? Like we're in our operation, you know, we're pulling lists, we're skip tracing, we're cold calling and doing all these other things. And he just walks around and just talks to people. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing the same thing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, what would happen if you never did your first real estate deal? I will still be working in that cell phone repair shop. Yeah. So how, how did it feel? when this became real because you, you had your mentor or your, your family you stayed with and you read the book and then when the dots finally fin- finally connected and it became real you closed on that first aplex how did that feel well um you know just to kind of i'm so grateful that it happened um and that you know sometimes everybody has a different story right but dude i grew up in a dirt floor very very poor in costa rica so when I close that A-unit apartment, I mean, I show up after closing, I get to work. I need to fix the fans. Myself, I couldn't pay anybody. Um, this is my sound kind of gay or people might think it's funny. Man, I start crying in that place. Yeah. Like, I, I just own this piece of property, and I know what I was years ago. It just, it's, it, I just, it, it was so amazing because yeah. I knew what it took to get there. And, yeah. man, love it. It's, it's amazing what we get to do and how the more you learn mm-hmm. about real estate, the more doors you can open and the flexibility that we get and yeah. people we get to meet. Right. And I, I saw you in the beginning when you start the hashtag, you know, I'm going to do 100 millionaires. Mm-hmm. I promise, dude, I was watching you just in my beginning and I look at myself sitting on real estate disruptors. It wasn't this cool studio. It was the beginning. <laughs> it was the it was the first but I'm studio. I'm telling you, man, I re- I picture myself talking to you one day, yeah. and I'm here. Well, I love that. I love this vision, right? And I, and the reason why one of the reasons why I'm so excited about this episode is that you know other things we have in common is that we're both immigrants. Yes. Right. And so being immigrants, we have a different perspective yes, on the American dream. Uh, not only do we you know pursue it, but like we believe it and we're passionate about it. Yes, sir. Um, you know, one of the, I've had people ask me like, why do you work so hard? Why do you, you know, do all these other things? Like my parents came here for a reason, mm-hmm. right? And when they came here for a reason, it was for us to pursue a dream because, you know, coming from two countries where everything was taken away, yes, right. Coming to a country where, like, man, anything is possible. Yes. So why would you not fulfill that? Potential? Man, hundred percent. Right. And so it's cool to see, like, you just came in here and like in 15 years, but really, in five years, you went from uh, reading a book about real estate to where you are today. Uh, I, I believe, number one, that God is a God of blessings. Um, I'm, I'm a person of faith, and I do believe that God is after to bless us, not to get us. And like you say, we see things different. Yeah. I see, um, I go to a football game, and they play the national anthem, I cry. Because we know how hard and how blessed we are in this country that I believe sometimes immigrants, in a way, 
we love this nation more because we don't take it for granted. Right. And it's just, you know, I see military people. I just, I love people in military because they're paid the price for us to be where we are. So um, the American dream, I don't care what people say about politics, who is the president and who is not. Everybody has a preference. I don't care. I do care, but I'm going to talk about that. <laughs> but the American dream, it's always been there. Yeah. I don't care if it's Trump. I don't care if it's Biden. I don't know who preference. It, it, it's there if you put the work, 100%. Absolutely. Uh, who mentored you along the way, right? Because, you know, it's been a, uh, a short journey, really, but you've done a lot. Who guided you along the way? I first gave credit to John in Manasquan, New Jersey, for Open That. Uh, I got to give you a lot of credit in your podcast. It really, if you're watching this, then what you share here, that all this stuff that you talk about, it really works, you know, about taking action, because I, I feel... Sometimes we make it too hard, like too complicated. We got to get on, sometimes feel like you got to be on the mastermind before you do deals. No, just listen to these shows, the people that you bring here, the questions you ask. That's just really enough information for mm -hmm. someone to turn off Netflix right now and mm -hmm. put to work, even right. if you don't have the money. So yeah. I'll say a lot of, um, you know, bigger pockets. I love that show. Uh, I love your show. And then just uh, a lot of reads. Uh, I like reading uh, the Compound Effect book. Mm -hmm. I think is one of the best books. Yeah. And the, in a very recent, uh, Your Next Five Moves. You know. Yeah. What was it? Your next, uh, the Next Five Moves by mm -hmm. Patrick, the insurance guy. The Next Five Moves. Patrick by David? Yes. Yeah. Uh, where he just talk about whatever you are in life, your vision. Like I'm, I'm sitting right here with you. I know where I'm going. I already see my path. For the next two, three years. I'll check that out. I didn't even know he wrote a book. So I like Patrick Bad David a lot. Um, so along the way, what were some of the biggest victories you got to experience? Again, um, because I think we see life different. We always kind of look. I remember growing up in Costa Rica. Like I didn't go to school here. I didn't go to high school here. So, man, every closing to me is a party. I don't care if it's a $10,000 deal that we do mm -hmm. or if it's a big deal. Man, Going to closing, sitting down and writing and, and, or getting paid when you close a deal, when you flip, or mm. when you acquire a property that maybe took a lot of, I just enjoy the process every single day and, and talking to our staff. And mm. we have an amazing team. Um, it, it really, every day, I, I just, I just very grateful every single day. You know, we had, uh, we do three different shows, right? We do real estate disruptors, partner disruption, and certainty talks. So what you're talking about, the, like you love process. Uh, Nick Peterson was on the show. And he talked about how, like, if you love the process, you're unstoppable, mm -hmm. right? If you're trying to do the biggest deal, if you're trying to do a large volume of deals, this and that, you get frustrated along the way. Yes. Because the goal, it, there, there are distractions, there are uh, challenges, there are hurdles along the way. So you get frustrated. Like, it feels like everything's against you. Mm -hmm. But if you love the process, well, okay, that's an obstacle. Now I know. And next, next time, let's make sure that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But if you enjoy the process, you're an unstoppable uh, 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 juggernaut. And I kind of kind of get this feeling from you here as well. I feel like the people that don't like the process, there's something in their day-to-day, -day, either on their team or, or the house, that is not in order. Because if you think about it, you know, what we get to do every day, which is what we love and we get to, we get paid really good. I mean, what is not about to love, you know? It, it just, it's, life is good, you know? You get yeah. to... Manage your schedule and do the things that you want. Take your family on vacation and 
I mean, it's it's beautiful every day. It is. It absolutely is. So one of the things that's uh, uh, amusing is that you use a credit card as a down payment. Yes, sir. So how much credit card did you use? Remember? I remember I pulled about 15000 and I pulled it right the day before closing because, you know, they're going to check. You don't want to affect your credit. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you took 15000 as a cash out. Mm-hmm. You had to go to a bank to do a $15,000 cash out? I don't even know how it works. Well, it was one of the, because I have. I, oh, you had the checks, right? Yes. Okay, so you use a check. All right, so um, one of the things that um, is, is I don't know, controversial or, or I'm not sure what the right word is, right? But there are a lot of big education platforms out there, right? Mm-hmm. And they take you to these seminars and like, hey, you know, like go max out your credit, or not max out your credit, raise your credit card limits to twenty five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. And then swipe mm-hmm. to buy our product. Yes. And I always struggle with this. Is like, you're taking credit card, taking a lot of credit card debt from people with that. How likely are they going to be? Right? So, like, that's one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, I have maxed out my credit card multiple times betting on myself. I love it. Right? So like, what's the right message here? And then you're, you apparently are in the swipe the credit card the bet on yourself department. 100%. I'll do it again if I have to. Yeah, so talk about that. Talk about that mindset you had in yourself. Well, this is the deal. Obviously, make sure you check where you're going to invest mm-hmm. because you're not telling me to say this. Knowing your program, you know, your, your record as an entrepreneur on sales. I know you do like workshops. So if I was a wholesaler, if I'm going to say, I'm going to learn how to sell, I need, I'm going to go to the best one. I don't know what you charge. You're really good at it, so you're probably not cheap. You're not the cheapest guy. Definitely not. So, but your price is worth it, right? Mm-hmm. So if I was a wholesaler, I will swap my credit card and I will come to a training that you do for two days. Right. And then I'm going to swap the credit card because I know I'm going to put the work. Mm-hmm. So 100%, whatever it takes to learn, I will do it because I know I'm going to put the work. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference on... People that buy a course and they just don't take action and then you're going to regret it. You have a right. statement coming every month. So if you don't have the money to do something and you have to take debt, but you know in you that you are going to do it, absolutely, I will do it again. Yeah, I love that part, that, that how you qualify is you know you're going to do the work. There's no question. I know I'm going to do the work. I'm going to make this work. Failing is not an option. So I think that's the key here, right? Versus... Other people like they're swiping and they're like they're hoping this is the magic pill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like the fact that you said you mentioned you like the the compound effect. So you know, in our intro, which we've had, I believe, since episode one, I have to go back and check. Take consistent action every day, right? And that's the compound effect. And so I take that consistent action quote or or idea from my mentor Darren Hardy, right? Like that's the reason why I say consistent action. Everyone says massive action. Massive action is great. Massive action does not pay the bills. Exactly right. Yeah, consistent action. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, you know, talking about how someone can repeat what you're doing then, right? Because we're saying, you know, you came here, uh, no money, limited English as an immigrant. If someone wants to repeat what you're doing today, right? You've got all these doors. How can someone go do what you've done so far? I think is, okay, this is how I see, you know, I'm 44 years old. I'm not in my 20s. I'm not in my 30s. So I can... When you hit your 40s, you might see life a little different. Um, if I were in my 20s, this is what I would do. I would go and track those people, and I would go and knock at the door of your 30s. Oh, you can be in your 30s and 40s. I think the face-to-face bar to get 
on sellers, it's okay. You got you might have to do text and call, but I think doing the things that people are not doing because every seller is getting twenty calls a day, right? Mm -hmm. But if you invest and figure out and trace those people and go and do the face to face to present what you do that you really want to want a property that you might be able to do owner financing, but maybe you have cash or start raising money. I think the key on the world that we live right now is the face-to-face -face part, the interaction, putting ourselves in front of those sellers. Mm. The content, the text, all that's all, all, all yeah. is good, right? Because they're, you know, you, you wholesale in 50 states, mm. right? You're not going to drive a, um, New York to do a deal. But if someone is starting right now, figure out who owns those rent houses or those apartments around your area and mm. go find those owners face-to-face -face yeah. and see what you can do to start. So I think the key here, right, because you're talking about face-to-face -face and a lot of emphasis on face-to-face, -face, which makes a lot of sense. You're super charismatic, right? So, Thank you. So you go and pull a list of apartments mm -hmm. in your general area, mm -hmm. and you want to find the owners. So right now, what tool are you using to find the owners? Okay, so we use, you know, we use Batch, and if we want to skip trade somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, so, again, something that I do is – if I'm driving on an apartment complex and I see the, the number, I call the number. Mm -hmm. And when I'm driving, I don't, I'm not going to give it to my secretary to call. I'm going to call. I'm going to see who owns it, see if it's a property management or if it's the owner. Our biggest deal ever came from I went back to an apartment complex. I saw a number. I called the number. He was the owner. I said, man, I really want to buy your place. And said, oh, man, I get a lot of calls. And I said, are you there right now? Say, yes, I'm coming right now. And I turn around. <laughs> I was going to an important appointment. I said, I, I don't care. And I went and sat down in his office. And I just basically. Uh, you backed it up. Yeah. yeah. And then we went on the, on the contract. So, so you, you, you call. So you, there's, there's, not, there's nothing fancy. You're not pulling a list. We're, we're not. Right. So you're not pulling a list. You just, you see an apartment and you call. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love the simplicity of all this, all this Thank by you. the way. So you call them. If they're in the area, you just meet them face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. And then the one with the guy that owned the, 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 the restaurant, is that how you reached the guy that owned the restaurant? Or yeah, but I knew where he worked. So I went and I showed up where he was working right. in the restaurant. But did you call him and you knew that's where he worked? No, I just, I find out who it was. Mm -hmm. He said, who owns his apartments? I asked one of the tenants. Mm -hmm. So I said, the guy that owns the barbecue shop. And I went to the barbecue shop and talked to him. Right. So we don't need to overcomplicate this. Okay. <laughs> so you sit down with the homeowner. Or not the homeowner. All right. That's how used to I am on the single family side. You sit down with the, the apartment owner, and you say, I want to buy your place. Mm -hmm. What's that conversation like? Well, the good thing is when we bought our, that's a 48-unit apartment complex. This is our second biggest multifamily. We were already owner of 60. Mm -hmm. You know, we kind of uh, went, skip a little bit of time when me and my partners started doing more deals. So now um, I can talk to you, and I say, man, I want to buy you your apartment complex, and the first thing he's going to say, he's an older guy, you know, he was collecting the rent and cash, you know, he was running by himself, right? You know how it is. Yeah. And he said, the first question was, how do I know you can pay it? Mm -hmm. I said, great question. So yeah, I pulled my cell phone and I said, I'm going to go to the tax records, to the cat in, in Tershikana, and I'm going to show you that I owe, I'm an owner of 60 apartment complex in Tershikana. So we do buy these kind of deals. Mm -hmm. So okay. So we got on, on, the, on my phone, and he said, okay, Blue Marlin Investment Properties, okay. So you can buy this. So I already had credibility with the guy. Right. And now I was like, okay, what's your price? Simple as that. And, and I learned that from you. Sometimes, especially if you have an accent, 
Don't try to complicate it. Don't talk too much. What's your price? And just shut up, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And basically, that's what I did. And he said, well, let me get back to you. I, I talked to my wife. And 24 hours later, he called me with a price. Mm -hmm. I called my partners. And we were like, let's do it. Let's mm -hmm. jump in on it. So then, how, let's talk about financing. Financing the deal then, mm -hmm. right? So how did you structure that deal? Well, one of the things that I want to tell people, if you're flipping, so, so we're not wholesalers. You know, we, we flip houses. So at the point that we are right now where we can do multifamily, we are building great relationships with lenders. So any deal that we get, we have access. We have three or four lenders that we work with. So I already knew that we can buy anything at 50%. So at that point when we locked that deal, the 48-unit apartment complex, we had an offer to buy the 60 apartment complex. So we already knew, okay, let's push the closing and let's 1031 this money mm -hmm. for the down payment. Now, uh, we bought 32 units later, so we basically have access to private money if we want to, to do the down payment yeah. 15%. Yeah. So was this a conventional loan? Conventional, not conventional, like conventional financing, but conventional as in like 30% down Fannie Mae? Or so just a regular regular loan, conventional, uh, 15% down. We can buy for 15%. And the 32 units that we have right now, we actually knew that we were going to flip it. So we bought on 24 months only interest. because we, Really? Yeah, because we we're going to put some work on it. So we have more cash flow. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you just pay only interest, if, you, if your property start performing, you get more cash flow. So the right. money coming in every month, we were able to pour it into the property. Mm -hmm. And it's actually about to hit the market. Yeah, gotcha. 32 units. Mm -hmm. So 15% um, down from private money or your own cash? We have we have cash, yeah. So your own cash and then 85% through a bank? Yes. Like community bank? Yeah. Okay. And then you're talking about flipping. Mm -hmm. So how many apartments have you flipped? Apartment complex, we flipped to a 60, apartment, a 60 door and we flipped a 48 door. Now we... Last year, we bought a 32-door that we just finished it. Uh, we just, I mean, we had it for like 13 months. We're basically done with the work. Uh, we had a buyer a couple of days ago. He went and toured the property. It's not on the loop net. We're just kind of getting word of mouth. Mm -hmm. um, so we're probably going to list it, maybe. So, and then, uh, so we're going to flip that one. And then we bought an RV park in a really good area for Airbnb, Broken Bow, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Super hot area for tourists and stuff like that. So we're going to flip that one too. We bought that okay. 38 RV park in a really good location. We put in some money there and then we're going to, uh, we're going to flip it as well. And then from there, buy another multifamily plus the houses that we flipped. Sure. So talk to me about the margins. You said you flipped the 60, like, you... yes. Okay. So what'd you buy it for? What'd you put into it? What'd you sell it for? We bought it for 1.9. We did nothing and we sell it for 2.5. Okay. In six months. So you bought it at 1.9 directly from the seller? No, broker. Broker brought it to you. Yeah. Uh, that's another thing that I want to, uh, so we don't do lease. You know, we don't have cold callers. So one of the things that we do pretty much every day is have relationship with brokers. I mm -hmm. text brokers. I text realtors all the time. I don't want to be one. You know, I, I would never be a realtor. But realtors are good, you mm -hmm. know, when they work for you. So I got a deal from a broker. It was a, you know, it was a pocket listing. You know, sure. he, he was said, Pablo, you guys want it? Well, I'm about to list it. So we get a lot of deals like that, duplexes and houses before they go on the market. They, you know, uh, they call us. So, so, about, so that was the 16 unit. What about the 48 unit? Okay. So 
once we got that 60 unit on, on the contract, you know, for 2.5, it was 2.550. And then we talked to the 48 unit and I said, look, man, we want to make this deal. We're going to have 1031 money. 1031 money. If you don't want to wait, because I knew it was going to take about 60 days, the whole closing, we can push it. I mean, we can buy you from the bank. That doesn't matter. So he said, no, I can wait. I can work with you guys. So that the 48 apartment complex, we bought it for 2.4. Mm-hmm. So we used that uh, six hundred thousand for ten thirty one and pay the down payment. So two point four, what'd you put into it? Hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. We changed totally, very minimum, but we put about a hundred k. And then what'd you sell it for? At three point, I'm a three point five, three point six. Three point six. So it sounds to me, a lot of people say this: the difference between apartments, single family, is just the numbers. Crazy numbers. The work is the same. The yes. margins are the same. Is just a larger product. Hundred percent. So you feel the same way. Hundred percent. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, I wish. I wish that um, it's harder to find multifamily deals right now. It is is getting crazy. Uh, but I tell you, man, we we just love multifamily. If we can just continue doing that, like I said, we're once we sell that thirty two in the RV park, uh, that's what we want to do. Continue buying apartment complex and and obviously. The houses and the rent houses, it's something that we really like to. Um, so I want to see. There was, uh, I had the question here. Um, so he's flipping houses right now. Mm-hmm. Why? Great question. So, so you know, our, our target is always going to be multifamily, right? Mm-hmm. Multifamily is what's going to make us more money, right? So, Flipping houses does something very good for us. Uh, our operation is about 15 people. You know, me and Austin are on a day-to-day, and we have a secretary and everybody. We have a, a fields manager. He oversees all the crews. And so when we're flipping a house or two, if we have a trouble calling one of the rentals, we're going to pull one of the guys on the flip to go take care of the maintenance. So flipping houses really allows us to keep staff full-time and is making us money. You keep quality. We do, you know, we're selling properties here, but also we have access to maintenance on our rentals. So it's a win-win and we get to grow our portfolio. But also, again, I mean, the flipping business, it, it's a little, obviously, slowed down a little bit for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, you know, things are still moving. So um, before we started, you know, we watched a preview together and we are watching... Know, Blake and Tyson Smith, mm-hmm. and you said that you really like that show. And one thing that you're you're really uh, passionate about is mindset. Yes, sir. Talk to me about mindset, man. Um, mindset, just everything. You know, you can. It doesn't matter what accent that you have. You know, was your skin color, where you're coming from. If you really believe that you can do something, and you really, it's almost like you have in your heart that even if everything is against you, you are going to make it happen. Yeah. That's all it takes. You know, like, um, things can, you know, don't think about, it's going to be awkward when I knock the door. It's going to, it doesn't matter because you want to make it happen. And I believe that 90% of business is that and everything is processes and, you know, systems. But it's, it's what you see, your mindset when you start a day, when you go do the work, your attitude, I heard a guy saying one time, uh, entrepreneur is 
basically it's boring because the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. Some things I, I just kind of disagree. I think it's exciting. I think uh, we have the opportunity to make things happen every day. When mm -hmm. I call a broker, you know, I call broker. I talk to agents pretty much every day or brokers. I'm excited about what's going on. You have something. It, it, it just, I'm in this uh, every day that we're going to find a deal yeah. or we're going to close a deal or we're going to partner on this. And that's a day to day. While, uh, you know, we had Tim Bratz on the show and he talked about like the more boring the business, the better. It's, it's yeah, right? it, it makes sense. Because you're making a lot of money if it's simple. Yes, sir. Right. So I thought that was a really great message. Why do you think this, this mindset thing is not so prevalent today? Why do you think like so many, I just feel like we're a softer society today. 100%. Why do you think that is? So going back to, it's where you're coming from. So like I, said, I got three partners. Uh, Greg is Austin's dad. So talk about Greg. He started from zero. His career on the oil field. He's a very successful corporate guy. Um, I came from Costa Rica with nothing. So it's almost like, you have to be hungry. I Every mean, day is a win. I mean, you have to be hungry, man. You have to really see and say, man, I just don't want to stop. And it gets to the point, uh, it's just really not really all about money. I mean, I, I look at my beautiful family. And, you know, I want to do this for them. I want to just get to the point you just losing is not an option. You know, you're just going to win every day. You, and then you talk about your family here. Like mm -hmm. You talk about the importance of honoring your family. So what, what is that about? Oh, man, I'm... I'm I'm so blessed. I got a beautiful wife and three beautiful girls and all my families in Costa Rica. But getting up every day and be able to, to do for them something that I was not able to enjoy when I was that age, you know, be able to just take care of my family, you know, spend time with them, going on vacations. I just, I couldn't do that with my parents. My parents are old now. My mom is dealing with cancer. You know, we're on a different stage where... I look at my parents and I say, man, I wish I would have done that with them. Obviously, it couldn't happen, you know, didn't happen right. for because how we were raised. So it's almost like I get to do this with my kids. So I get to enjoy and my family, it's just 100% why I do what we do. Yeah. And that message totally resonates with me because for me, my parents, they did everything they could, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, but they were also working 70, 80, 70, 80 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So. They were kind of absentee parents, right? Mm -hmm. So it was, it was myself and my uh, second oldest, and we were just at home after school. Yes. That was it. But we <laughs> didn't do, like, these nice, fancy vacations, right? Like, my mom's dream was always go to Hawaii, so it was really cool. Uh, a couple years ago, we did all, like, the whole family, like, my wife, my kids, my parents, her parents, and it was just a week in Hawaii. That's awesome. Like that, like, that was the coolest thing. But, like, I am so intentional to be there for my kids. There you go because my parents were never there and I don't blame them for it again like I wouldn't have what I have 100% if they didn't work their butts off yes right but there is a part of me that's sad that they were never that they were never there so like I, I think that's so like it, this message really resonates with me so before we do a so you know you said this was the the vision that's of right, being on the man. show and become a millionaire so I want you to, to open that up this is a big deal, brother. There it is. Right there. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, you can kind of see it. But this is... You are number 14 of 100 millionaires. 
We probably have more than 14. Oh, yeah, you do. But you're the 14th person that felt comfortable <laughs> sharing that, you know, proving mm -hmm. <laughs> that you're a millionaire. So uh, let's put that up one more time. Oh, yes. Cool. All right. And so I appreciate you always coming Thank on. You, right. Thank like you. for me, this is why we do what we do. And I love to see this come full circle, right? We had Blake on the show last week who said he started by listening to the show. And now you on the show started by listening to the show. And we got to give you a plaque. So that's incredible. Thank incredible you, brother. Honor. Oh, man. It, it's an honor to meet you, man, because I, I promise I spoke that. I, I spoke that in the six. I mean, I said, I'm going to be in that show one day. Mm -hmm. And I told uh, your staff earlier one of the things that, you know, every entrepreneur is different. We, we're kind of joking about personalities, right? Mm -hmm. But the way you handle the show, uh, on your online content, it's always so like, it makes people want to see you mm -hmm. because you don't, you don't come out like most of them entrepreneurs, like I'm cocky. I know everything. Like I'm, I'm a state train, you know, I'm no yeah. man. You're just very humble yeah. and you can feel that, you know, right here talking to you, that you're such a like cool dude that you don't think you're Mr. Everything. Absolutely. And that shows, that shows. Yeah. I appreciate that. So um, let's uh, do a quick, quick break. And then we're going to go answer all the audience's questions. We're giving them the GPS of what they have to do to show up every single day and execute with excellence and stay in the revenue driving activities. If you have a rep that is not producing, it is your fault. You have to have and hold that responsibility and get down and coach to where they need to be. So let's create that mentality for them. They are running their business. We are terrible at reading people when it comes to performance inside of how they're gonna operate your organization. 90% of people that are in sales roles do not know what a key performance indicator is. But they need to have a fundamental understanding of how that KPI specifically to them drives revenue. And more than that, how it drives their income. It takes a different level of person to get to that six-figure mark. Let's hire to the six-figure mark. All right, so going to the audience's questions. Uh, so I see here uh, on En Fuego Prosperity, great name, IG. Investment group that I represent has access to 85-plus off-market hotels. Would that interest either of you? Would you be interested, would you be interested in off-market hotels? Hotels, no. No? How come? Man, uh, I think one thing about when you're an entrepreneur, I believe you got to stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. that nothing doesn't mean that you're not going to invest in something else. But do what it works and be really good at it. Mm -hmm. For us, it's multifamily, single families, buy and hold. And we actually, last year, uh, did our first new construction. We did good. Love it. You know, the process is a little, you know, doing a new, new uh, we'll build a brand new cabin. And then we had to do another one because we had two lots. So that one is about to hit the market. But we love new construction. I can see us doing more of that. Yeah. But hotels, I don't see that. Yeah, hotels are a completely different animal. Yes, sir. And, I mean, that's what you said. Like, it's so powerful. And it's, something, it's a bit of a lesson I need to hear over and over again because I do get distracted. Right? I do have these other ideas, other opportunities. Like, man, like, cool we do these things. So, yeah, you're focused. Stay in your lane. That's a powerful message. I heard that. If you want to be successful, you have to say no so many more times before mm -hmm. you say yes. Yep. And I think I heard that from you. So you better, yeah, keep, keep listening to that audio. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, for me, the big thing is whoever, whatever I'm doing, it's never me driving anywhere. 
So if we want to do another venture, someone else has to do the driving. You put the knowledge in the name. I mean, that's it. Yeah. That's so we're talking about starting a real estate fund. It's going to be conditional on if we can get this one guy to run it or not. Like right? syndications and stuff like that? Uh, just buying, uh, like just like all the other hedge funds that are buying. Like a hedge fund? Family. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So just like these other hedge funds that are buying single families, building a portfolio. Like we just so happen to have, like I have access to a guy with super deep pockets. I got, a, I got access to a guy who is helping, who's the number two guy in the Valley in buying properties for the funds, mm -hmm. right? And I got a guy who the hedge funds were paying to consult with when they're managing their funds. And then I got a guy who can underwrite 100 houses a day. So you like, have to set up, yeah. <laughs> so like the part, the benefit of being in the business for so long is I know the right members. And I just found out the guy that was the, the analyst that the hedge funds are paying to consult just so happens to be friends with the guy that's the head of the Atlanta uh, Federal Reserve. Okay. Right. So like I got like the right connections. So then it's really dependent. It's not like, do I want to do this? It's like, can I get these guys on board? If I can get these guys on board, do it. Yeah. If I cannot get these guys on board, done. We're not because I'm not gonna do it. Yeah. <laughs> I need someone else to do it. But you know, like there's so many opportunities to come along, and it's like, how do you stay focused on like one thing? So uh yeah, so Chris IG says, uh, what a hustler, love it. Luke Ralston on YouTube says, What's up, Pablo? Um, I'm assuming he knows you. I know, I know, Mr. Luke. Yeah, yeah. he hustles too. Yeah, great yeah. kid, great kid. So the question for you is, what's the biggest deal you've ever done? The 40A apartment complex. Um, you know, we profit, you know, um, over a million dollars on that deal. Yeah. And it was insane. How Because it's, the crazy part is, we had a guy that, you know, we sold it for 3.550. We had a guy that offered... 3.1, I believe. And we said, no, we'll do 3.2. And he didn't want to do it. So we said, okay, we're just going to wait. And like a week later, these people came and said that number. And we're like, okay, where do we sign? Let's do it. <laughs> uh, was it a cash buyer? It was supposed to be cash. And he ended up being finance. It took about 70 days to close. But yeah, yeah. I was just asking because like my two favorite questions I always get you know, when I was selling my own properties mm -hmm. was, will you take cash? Mm -hmm. And can we close early? Like my two favorite questions. Yeah. You want to win my heart. Yeah. Will you take cash? Especially in the realtor side, right? When, yeah. you, when you flip in a house. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. I know. Um, so then uh, Russian Nico on IG wants to know, doesn't face-to-face -face limit your reach? Yes. But this is what I would say. Again, every business is different. You got an empire going, and it's amazing, dude. But I would say this to every entrepreneur listening to this. Uh, I heard a quote one time, the guy say, if you want to kill something very special, go ahead and compare it to somebody else, to something else. What does that mean? Our business is set up. It runs so smooth. We don't have a huge overhead, and we're very successful, right? So if I'm closing five deals a month, three, probably two are going to be flips, and three are going to be rentals, right? Mm -hmm. That meets our number, and we are happy with that. Now, is it going to be a time where we're going to scale? Yes. Every time we do a multifamily, it's obviously going to add more doors. Uh, we're actually also looking maybe on the right timing to do a syndication because one of our partners have access in his the industry that he works with. He has access to a lot of money. So the question when we have meetings is, can we raise money to do bigger deals? But again, we are doing very good where we are. And we're kind of in the middle of the recession. 
let's stay where we are and do what is working. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you don't want to learn from some people, but I can tell that, you know, tell him face to face, you're going to close more deals and yeah. you're going to close big deals. Yeah. Big deals. And that's key, right? So I think, you know, Russian Eco, I think absolutely right. It limits your reach. But I think one of the greatest things about real estate is that there's no one right way to do it. Exactly. Right. So you've got a superpower. You are an immediate action taker. <laughs> And you can immediately connect. I can see these two things, right? In a limited time together. Mm -hmm. Going straight to someone's restaurant after you find out that's where he works is a superpower. Not everyone has that. Some people are like, ah, when's the right time? Should I go? Yes, sir. Oh, man, he looks like he's in a bad mood. I'll come back later. None of that. You found out. You had the information you want. You had all the information you needed, right? Mm -hmm. Someone owns his apartment, and he's over here. That's all the information you need. That's all you need, yeah. <laughs> you went there, you need to say hi to him, I want to buy your apartment. We make it too hard sometimes, I think. Right. People make it too hard. Yeah, and so I think that can we limit your reach? Absolutely. But then we're also, if you're trying to do it differently, you might be taking you outside of your genius zone. Mm -hmm. Your superpower is connecting with people right here, right now. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think to Nico's point, are you limiting your reach? Yes, but you're also staying in your genius zone, which I think a lot of us need to make sure we're doing everything we can Stay inside our genius zone. Have you gone through insane productivity? Curious? No, I never have. No. Okay. All right. Because uh, they talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right? Like making sure you do either your top three activities mm -hmm. or your top one activities, and you should never do anything outside those three activities. And I say you are definitely doing. And and I would say this, that what it really helps in our business is uh, me and Austin, we run it. Austin does everything that I hate, mm -hmm. and he does it amazing. He's basically CPA, lawyer. He knows, he runs all the company, all the numbers. I'm more like the face. I'll close the deal. Mm -hmm. I will get the calls from the workers because they speak Spanish, <laughs> most of them. And it's almost, we have a perfect partnership. But yes, I, I would tell him, if you're not good about something, like when, I, when we decided to have three partners, not two, to me, it was a win-win because we brought someone mm -hmm. to the team that is so good on the stuff that I'm not good and Greg doesn't have the time. And he just basically, people with a limit mindset will say, well, Pablo, now you, you're you going to have to take a third out of your flip because we're three guys, not two. And actually, we went to the next level. The right. moment that you had the right people, people you can trust, yeah, it just, our business took over. And yeah. he's in incredible asset we're building a super team yes uh so dave acuna on youtube do you have low vacancy rates in small towns such as danger and to be honest with you i tell you that apartment if you see a multifamily on a small town try to get it that's gold because no one is going to come and build yeah it's amazing how perform you know mobile home parks and multifamily in the small towns Perfect. We no one's coming to build. That we, that's yeah, no one is going to come. You're not going to have someone from Dallas to come and build and then you feel because the size of the town. So what's in there, Same that's there. it. Yeah. Try to buy it. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Great, great insight. Uh, on YouTube, Luke, what's the best way to start relationships with brokers? Call them. I, I, you know, uh, I'm in Texarkana. I'll just kind of type, you know, Texarkana Realtor Association and you get all the names, all the mm -hmm. numbers and just kind of pick one or two a day and mm -hmm. introduce yourself and 
you get to the point where they know you and you, they text you and you just once in a while call or text. I mean, take action every day. Yeah. But the best way for those, you don't need to drive to the office and introduce yourself. Yeah. Call them and text. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the realtors. What about, uh, but you also have commercial brokers. Yes. So what do you do to build relationships with commercial Man, brokers? Man, I, I really, I call them and I talk to them a lot. They're kind of different than regular brokers, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the older, but not all of them, but, you know, in my area. So you just kind of have to know the personalities. But I can tell you this, when you kind of talk to them and show them and kind of talk about the deals that you've done, you, they want to listen because I'm, I'm sure they get a lot of calls of people that don't perform. So with this guy, the guy that we were able to buy the 60 unit, I mean, it's a guy that he's one of the biggest brokers mm-hmm. in, in our county. So I have a great relationship. So every time something comes in, I'm, he's the first one. I'm the first one he calls. That's awesome. Building relationships. That's it. Um, let's see what here. Do you flip nationwide or just in Texas? Just in Texas and just about an hour from my area, which, uh, when you asked earlier, you said something about maybe, I don't, I don't know if you asked that your challenges at some point we've been talking about if we don't find a house that we like, we need to start going a little out of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what's next for us. Uh, yeah. explore a little bit, which that's going to make us use contractors right now we use our own people our own house people you know so that's something that is coming for us if we get to the point where what we see in our backyard we don't like it we're gonna have to start driving a little bit but we're not being nationwide we'll be just texas no matter what got it uh lead with love emma i'm assuming you know this person that's my little girl all right she says hi poppy do you miss me uh, <laughs> i miss you girls love you all right so you know there was a big uh news yesterday in Houston. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? No. Uh, in Houston? Yeah. So uh, one entity, I guess, let go of four apartment complexes. Right? Okay. I didn't know that. 3,200 doors. Okay. Right. How do you feel with the fact that, you know, we have this uh, um, two things happening right now with, A, the Fed rate, mm-hmm. right? Fed rate hike occurring which directly leads to what you can borrow at yes and it appears to me that the dscr ranges have changed so whereas before you needed to have like a four to one five to one uh income to debt ratio is now even more Mm -hmm. so how do you see is this the beginning of a trend how do you feel about all this so i had an amazing conversation with jay scott the guy that was on the bigger pockets mm-hmm. and super smart guy. And we were talking about that. And we kind of, what we see is number one, everybody's going to have a specula- a speculations. No one knows where we're going to be in 12 months, right? Sure. But I believe that what we do know is if you have access to find cash, this is Black Friday because mm-hmm. deals are going to happen. So I know money is not cheap anymore. We're not mm-hmm. talking about 8%. You know, some line of credits. I, I know guys paying 10% of line of credits. Yeah. So a year ago, line of credit was 3%. If you can buy a property at 8 10%, I know it's crazy, and you can make it work, I bet you you're going to get in a big discount. Mm-hmm. So this is, I still believe this is the best opportunity to buy real estate. Mm-hmm. In our business, we're flipping less, 
but with my with buying more rentals, even because we're talking about a rental, you know, if you paid one hundred twenty five, hundred thirty thousand dollars for a house, the rents for twelve hundred, you know, with the interest eight percent, and you got your property taxes, and it's not, it's barely gonna cash flow or break even, right? Mm -hmm. But if we can keep it going, we know that house has fifty percent, fifty thousand dollars equity when 12, 13 months from now, right? Yeah. So I would say that it's it's not scary moments right now. You just need to find more money mm -hmm. and make sure that your numbers work. You're not gonna get rich on cash flow, but you're gonna buy a lot of equity, which is that's what we're going after. Mm -hmm. Buying houses with thirty, forty thousand dollars in it, you just gotta hold them for a little bit. Yeah. Build your team, make relationships with handymen, try to get your maintenance low, you know, and, mm. and make it make it through the next 12 months and you're going to be okay. I, yeah. I have a really good relationship with one of our lenders. He believes, obviously, everybody believes one, that, that we're really on the way out. Jay Scott believes that we're not going to see double digits. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll do, see. What do you think? Uh, I think that in the next 6 to 24 months, it's going to be one of the best times ever to buy Multifamily, hundred percent. Right, I think this could be a big, big sale, and so I kind of wonder, like, you know, do we go? Do we want to do a single family fund? Do we want to do multifamily? Because you know, I talked to uh, Pace Morby, right? yes, uh, and then we had Vina Jetty uh, on the show, special show we did last Friday, which was the, all the whole episode was about how to start a real estate fund. Like, that was yeah. the whole episode, how to start a real estate fund, right? Uh, they, those two are actively raising money to acquire doors, not right now, but in the next six to twenty-four months. So. We, that's one of the only things that we're looking into is uh, do a syndication when it, I mean, because I, I think I'm like you, multifamily is definitely the right path, yeah. 100%. Potentially commercial as well. Uh, I don't know about, I'm not crazy about commercial. I'm never, I, I don't like commercial, but there's probably going to be a sale coming pretty soon there as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a guy, um, he's a. Like doctor's uh, office. I kind of, yeah, like, he, uh, let's see, he is a family friend of one of my best friends. And he bought this um, complex, right? Not complex, this commercial strip mall area, right? And he bought it in this like one crazy downturn, but it's like a hard corner of Shea and 64th Street or 68th Street. And I know that doesn't mean anything to you, but it's in the middle of Scottsdale. Oh. It's a hard corner in the yeah. middle of Scottsdale. And it's not like a small commercial complex, it's like a giant commercial complex. And he bought like the whole thing for like 300 grand, right? And that thing's easily worth multiple millions of dollars, right? But he bought it at a time, I think it was like in the mid-80s, when no one was buying anything because interest rates were too high, right? And you just hold on to that thing, and it just grows. And that's just one property he bought, right, in the downturn. So Opportunities that, right now. Yeah, definitely a lot of opportunities. Yeah, so now's the time to start raising money if, you're, if you don't have money. Uh, Dave on YouTube wants to know, I am flipping in small towns in Oklahoma, but fine, good, good contractors have been a struggle. What do you have to say? For Dave, what was the question? He's having a hard time finding good contractors in small towns. Okay, uh, I think that's a lot of struggle for people to flip houses. Um, for me, obviously, the one of the biggest advantages that I'm Hispanic, so our workers, you know, our our family, because they're not really workers for us, are not you know ninety percent of our team are Hispanic, so. I would say go on Facebook and start looking for handyman and start look, you know, start doing some interviews because you might be able to find someone and that person might be able to relate it and help you to, to gather, you know, to find two or three more. 
especially uh, on the Hispanic community. Yeah. Um, we have a, in our business in, in East Texas, we kind of have a, a joke that if you're going to flip a house, which I hope this is nothing, I don't mean being racist for what I'm about to say, that just be careful. If you have a white guy coming on an F-250 of, you know, 2023 F-250, it's not going to be cheap, right? <laughs> but if you get a Hispanic like me with a beat-out truck, you're probably going to get a better deal, right? <laughs> yeah. So do your homework and talk to people. Go, this might sound kind of funny, go to a Mexican restaurant, talk to the waitress. Do you have any family to do construction work? And you really start building your network because some of the guys are there everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're just not really tech savvy. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're just going to word of mouth, but you can find them. You can find them. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking at you, Pace, right here, right? Because he was my GC, and he showed up in a, you know, the, one of those Ford Platinum. I don't know what kind of truck it was. You can't do that, I'm man. not a truck guy. No. Right? no. But he showed up, you know, at our jobs in Ford, whatever, F-150 Platinum or something along those lines. That's going to cost money, right? Yeah. yeah. Your bid, you just went double. You can't do that, no. Yeah, no, but he was always actually really generous with his rates. <laughs> um, all right, so what does your business look like to, right now versus, like, after you close your first deal? Oh, it's, I mean, we have a business now. We have mm -hmm. a company. We, I didn't have a company before. I was just hustling for deals mm -hmm. and trying to build my portfolio. But right now, uh, like I say, it's me and Austin, we run the company. We have an amazing um, fields manager, John. Uh, he's electrician, plumbing, and AC, three in one. Mm -hmm. We found him. He was working for a property management company, and they were just not taking care of good him. You know, they weren't paying that good. Uh, we interview him, we offer him almost double what he, he was making, mm -hmm. and uh, he's been an incredible asset. And from then, we start building uh, through Facebook, uh, adding painter, she rocks. We had another plumber working for yeah. us. And then just um, right now, it's basically John takes care of the day-to-day, -day, all the flippings. They take care of all the maintenance calls. And I make the calls, make the offers with Austin, uh, I still like going walk properties. Sometimes mm -hmm. we don't have to if we don't want to because John is so good. Right. He can go basically and do a house and say, man, this is what you, you know, this is what's going to cost to, mm -hmm. to repair. But we, we still like to do that. Right. And so me and Austin would do the day-to-day -day decisions, offers, talking to sellers, and John basically takes care of the whole team. And we have a full-time secretary. She does uh, property manager, management, all the doors, tenants, evictions, and also help us on the flipping Paperwork, you know. Yeah. What kind of freedom does real estate afford you right now? Oh man, it, it's 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 unbelievable. Man, it's unbelievable, dude. We have a. Um, I'm I'm here talking to you. Going back to Texas tomorrow. On Saturday, I'm going to Mexico mm -hmm. for five days. I'm coming back. I'm end of the month. I'm going to Costa Rica to see my mom. You know, she's dealing with some sickness. So yeah. I had the freedom that I can do that. And 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 then we're gonna take another vacation in August. And I just could never imagine that I was going to able ever to do what we do. Yeah. But again, it goes back to the foundation. Who do you do business with? I have an amazing two partners that yeah. we take turns. Basically, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to do what I do if Austin is gone. Right. So I tell Austin, we kind of joke. I said, man, give me your calendar. Go. I don't want to see your face. Mm -hmm. Because what he does, he does all the paperwork, all the numbers. He can, he does it on his own time, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we take turns. If yeah. I'm gone, he can go. But if he's there, I'm gone. Right. I'm leaving. <laughs> so freedom, amazing freedom. It's unbelievable. 
Uh, besides financial freedom, what do you love about real estate? Um, well, it goes back to your why, you know. Um, we're able to build something for our kids, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and I don't, like, I don't like to use that term so they don't have to work as hard because they're going to have to work hard. Oh, yeah, they're they, definitely going to have to work. I can promise you this. They're, they are not going to get it handed to, like, okay, this is for you. Mm -hmm. But obviously my kids today are in a position that I would never was able to even get close to that. So yes, man, um, it just built a legacy for them, for my family and be able to enjoy them. Now, one thing that I want to say to all the entrepreneurs who watch you enjoy your family. Now my oldest daughter is 13. So let's say the Bella leaves the house when she's 18. So it's five years. So let's say I only take five more vacations. So you're telling me that I'm only going to enjoy my, my little girl five more times? No. Mm -hmm. That's not enough. Because yeah. what's going to happen when she's 18? You know, and then you're going to do family and stuff. So I think entrepreneurs, we believe, let's work really, really hard. Let's not enjoy our family. When I'm 60, I'm going to travel. But you're lying. When you're 60, you're going to be taking care of grandbabies. And you're going to be okay doing that. When I'm 70 years old, I don't want to be walking in Italy because it's too hot and I'm 70 years old. I want to do it now. Mm -hmm. I, want to, I want to walk on the beach in Mexico with my little girls now. Yeah. And, I want, and I don't want to do it just once a year. Enjoy your family now. Create those memories like you were sharing earlier you didn't have with your parents. Mm -hmm. I'm all about creating memories with my family. That's all that matters. Yeah. Um, is that your why? 100%. And there's another... Big part um, that we just started uh, with the church that I'm part and my wife, we are creating a foundation in Costa Rica. So basically, we just adopt an orphanage. So we're paying English classes once a week. So we have about, 13, no, about 17 girls that are taking classes That's every awesome. Saturday. So our goal is, man, this idea came, you know, let's pour something, you know, on the orphanage and... We have a bunch of people like raising money and we have money to pay the guy, the teacher for the whole year. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking about, well, let's do another one. So leaving that in my country, you know, be able to help those kids because if you don't speak two language in Costa Rica, it's really hard to make money. You know, you're going to go to a really low job. So yeah, we are helping one orphanage right now. Uh, it's Pura Vida uh, project, like foundation. And our goal is to adopt another orphanage uh, this year to have to and kind of keep growing from there. Yeah, that's all. That's English classes, free English classes for them. That's amazing, right? Impact, leaving an impact. Yeah, man. What is your biggest struggle right now? I think what we talked earlier about making that move out of town. We're, we're very comfortable where we are because our guys are on our flips. Our guys are doing our maintenance. It's almost like, Trusting a GC with a house out of mm -hmm. town. I mean, we did it once in Dallas, and it worked out okay. But I don't know. Uh, it was okay. I just feel like we just love our system so bad, so much. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing right now that we just don't want to go over and rely on people that we don't know. Yeah. Because we love our team so much. So yeah. that stepping out in a different market is probably our biggest struggle. When do we do that? Well, I mean, you already done it once in Dallas. Yes. Right? So, I mean, I think a lot of, like, what we talk about is um, in, in certainty talks, uh, Paul mm -hmm. and I were talking about micro steps. Like, 
you know, just keep testing it until it works right. Yes. So just don't do a lot. Yes. Don't be like, all right, we are in Dallas. Because that's what I've done multiple times, right? Like, all yeah. right, we are in Albuquerque. We are in Oklahoma City. And we went hard. And uh, a lot of headache. So, big headache. Big headache. So, you know, maybe you just kind of like keep doing it, right? Just one here, one here. Because mm-hmm. you guys obviously have a great procedure. You guys mm-hmm. obviously have great SKUs. Mm-hmm. You know what works. Mm-hmm. Right? So just, yeah, just keep doing it. But no. that, that's that's part of the entrepreneurial struggle. It's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Right? Trying to find things, break things, and fix them. Yes. Yes. Um, might be a silly question for you, but how do you stay motivated? Man, uh, I'm, I'm like you, man. It, how can I not be motivated? You <laughs> yeah. know, look at that, the life that, thanks to God, we get to live, you yeah. know? And like I say, my beautiful family, I love what I do. It's, it's just not a job. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a blessing to get up every day. The people around me loving so much, our team, my partners, my wife, my kids. It's, it's, it's awesome every day, man. Yeah. We, we just have so much fun doing what we do. So then how do you measure success? Great question. Um, I think I'm super content. Obviously, I want to drive. You know, um, I want to keep um, growing. Um, How do I measure success? I'm blessed. I'm happy. I'm doing what I love. I'm I'm successful. Mm -hmm. Now, is success attached to a dollar sign? I mean, do I want to make more money so I'll be more successful? I just don't think it works that way. Mm-hmm. So I would say, obviously, the numbers have to work every month, right? You got to make profit, right? So on that part, we are doing a lot of deals. We're building a good portfolio. We're flipping. We did a new construction. Man, uh, we're in a really good spot because we have an amazing team. So I would say I'm not just like probably successful. I think we have an amazing team or people that right. we all successful, you know, and we're going – we have a vision where we want to go, and that's where we're going. And we're heading that way, um, and we have a clear path and vision of what we want to do. Gotcha. Uh, what is your superpower? Um, I think what you said earlier. I mean, I think um, um, even if uh, at some point when I move here, I kind of believe that having an accent, not being – a white guy or, you know, not being an American. I didn't play football here. I don't know anything about American football, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. I think being different, it actually makes me different. It, it, it helps me where people want to talk to me, want to know, well, what's, what's the deal with this guy? I mean, you mm-hmm. look white, but you're not white, right? What's the deal, right? <laughs> right. Um, I think my superpower is, I, I don't know, I can um, communicate or, or I can basically maybe be able to show my passion and be able to do things and people believe me or people likes me. I don't know how to, but um, I guess I'm good with people, if yeah. that makes sense. Oh, yeah, you're an instant connector. That much is obvious. Maybe that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that much is obvious to me. What is your biggest regret? Um, well, I think in the real estate world, you, me, and everybody flipping houses, our regret is going to be five years from now Actually, they kept that property, right? It's <laughs> yeah. going to be, you know, that 48 units that we're celebrating 3.5 million, it's going to be 6 million in five years, mm-hmm. right? Uh, man, not regret. It's a tough word because we're, we're so thankful, you know, and things are going really good. And yep. we're making right decisions and we have the right team. So I wouldn't say I don't have any regrets. I mean, I wish I would have done some, make some decisions on the way. You know, maybe didn't shouldn't hire that guy. They had to let him go because mm. 
that kind of stuff happens. But um, a mayor regret when you grew up in a dirt floor poor house in Costa Rica, the size of this office, and I'm talking to you right now, mm -hmm. one of the biggest podcasts in the world. How can in the world I'm going to have any regrets? You know, yeah. God, life is good and God is so good. So that's all I can say. Yeah, I love that message. How did you learn your greatest lesson? How did I learn my greatest lesson? Um, man, my greatest lesson is when I finished that book, Rich Dad or Dad, and I told that realtor, I'm going to buy the property, right? And I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't have the money. The greatest lesson is just basically do it, man. Mm -hmm. You know, do it. Just like the Nike commercial, right? And I, and I love the message of Nike. People get confused. People think do it means you're going to win. No, Nike is about the people that are actually doing it. Get up and do the work. Mm -hmm. That's the target of Nike. Not just the winner, not just Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. It's just the people that when it's raining, they're working out. The people that get up in the morning every day, and not just on January 1st when 90% of the people join the gym. But it's right? raining outside. Exactly. So <laughs> just do it, man. Just get up, yeah. do the work, make the phone call, mm -hmm. and that's it. And tomorrow... Even if you have maybe good feedback and someone's going to call you next week, mm -hmm. do it again. And yeah. then do it again. And then do it again every day. Yeah. Uh, is there any particular failure you learned a lot from? Well, we, we only have, thank God, uh, one flip that we didn't make money. Mm -hmm. uh, we lost money. Not a lot. Uh, about 20K. Mm -hmm. And it was right on the middle uh, when the recession, the interest rate hit. hit. Last year? Last year. Yeah. Uh, that was the only time. Uh, that was the only out-of-town property in Dallas. You know, that's why maybe makes me feel that out-of-town is not good for us. Mm -hmm. That's the only deal. We, we didn't make any money. Uh, my regret um, of failure, that's probably that one, you know, that we just, um, I don't know. I kind of want to blame the economy. I really think it, it was a big deal. When we bought the house, it was in a really hot area close to the airport, DFW. Mm -hmm. I mean, great location. Every house, people making three or four or five offers. All of a sudden, things stop, and we went from being the only one in the market. Now there's 25, and people start, you know. Yeah. We went from a seller's market to a buyer's market in a day, right? Mm -hmm. So we lost money. So. Gotcha. What book have you gifted more than any other? Number one book, 100%, hands down, the Bible. Yeah. Um, I have faith, and again, it's hard not to be – Motivated and happy, I'm, I'm living an amazing life. And on top of that, to make it even better, uh, I believe in Jesus that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. So, man, what else can I go wrong? You know, mm. this is the worst it's going to get for me. You know, I'm yeah. having a, an amazing life, and I know what I'm going after. So the Bible, number one. And on the business world, of course, rich that or that. Mm. And, man, the compound effect. That's the most amazing business book. Just just... The small action, or you can say a big action, but just do it every day. It, it yeah. doesn't count if you do it five days a week and then you take a break for three. Mm -hmm. It's got to be every day. Take action every day. And be consistent. And every day. I think uh, I, I make this joke, you know, like every entrepreneur is like, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll run through a wall. Yes. I'll do, any, I'll do whatever it takes, except be consistent. Like that is like a big ask, right? Yes. Yes. Consistency is just one of those, it's just always an asterisk associated with it. So I want you to think about some last thoughts you want to leave all the listeners with. Yes. Uh, guys, obviously, if you listen to this episode, if you listened to me with uh, Vina last week, you guys know that I see a window of opportunity in this market, and I'm excited to seize the moment. 
Uh, if you have capital and don't know where to get started, you can invest with us. If you have killer deals and you need help to close on, you can partner with us. Either way, go to teamwithsteve.com and let's do business together. Uh, and if you guys got value, again, today, like, subscribe, share, comment. You know, I, I genuinely believe the reason why we do all this is to help people. I mean, having Pablo come onto the show after he saw it as just an audience member, just another person that viewed it, yeah. right? One of thousands that just viewed it to saying, I'm going to be on the show one day. I'm going to be one of the millionaires and to come in and do it, right? I mean, I think it's absolutely awesome. We want to reach as many people as possible. We want to find more Pablos out <laughs> there. So again, if you guys find, find value to Please like, subscribe, share, comment. It helps us reach more people. So uh, we also have Ray Jan coming out next week. Look forward to that. Uh, what are some last thoughts you want to leave everybody with? Yes. Uh, I first want to thank you for, for real. Uh, one of the coolest part of your jobs that you, you're never going to know is there. I, I know there's more Pablos out there. People mm -hmm. that you impact through you these years with your business. So it's so cool. Uh, what you do. That's why I started my own podcast in yeah. Spanish, you know, to help the Spanish community. So I want to thank you first for all you do for the community. And I just want to tell everybody, man, don't compare yourself to the other entrepreneurs. Just create your own life, create your own business and work as work really hard. And don't worry about what everybody else is doing. If you put the action every day, that's all it takes. Right. And educate yourself, pay for mentorship, learn. If you can pay, pay. If you don't have the money, use a credit card. He said it. I didn't. I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, awesome. How can someone get a hold of you? Man, uh, best way, it's Instagram. The Pablo Chinchilla, uh, at The Pablo Chinchilla, Instagram. All right, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Made my day. Awesome, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys for watching. See you all next week. Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve train. We real estate disruptors.